Which one of you can tell me what is the tenth commandment? Anyone shout it out? What's the tenth commandment? Do not covet. Was Eliza whispering that to you, Tate, or did you just know it? Why do you know that, Tate? You learned it? Dad and Mom teaching you? So what is coveting? What does it mean to covet? Go ahead. Steal other things? Well, there's another commandment for that. Wanting possessions that aren't yours. An unquenchable desire to get the world and the things in the world. St. Augustine said that to covet is to desire more than enough. That's a nice summary. Covetousness drives America. To be American basically means to be covetous. You are an American, and you are covetous. But of course, coveting, it's not a sin that's new with America. We're covetors, it's true, but we come in a long, long line of covetors. So, as we read, think, in what ways do you disobey God with your coveting? So you can stand, it's just one verse, you'll be standing just for a moment, but please stand as we read from Exodus 20, verse 17. This is the word of the Lord, and it is eternally true, the tenth commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Kids, another question. Young folks, can anyone perfectly obey the Ten Commandments? No, got some heads shaken. Since Adam's fall, no one except Jesus Christ has ever perfectly obeyed the Ten Commandments or ever can. Okay, kids, what are the Ten Commandments for? To help you obey God? They tell us how to live, and they show us that we need a Savior. So they do tell us how to... There are uses of the law. They tell us how to live. If you have a Bible, turn to Romans 7. They help you to obey God. True. They tell us how we should live. But again, that second question, we found out that we cannot perfectly obey God's, obey God's law, right? We're in a predicament. So listen to this from the Apostle Paul in Romans 7, verses 7 through 12. Speaking of coveting, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So maybe you've been in this situation, for example, where there's a big red button on a wall. And there's a sign that reads, Do not press this button. What do you want to do? There's a law to not push it. 
what you want to do is push it. You want to disobey. Paul continues in verse 8, But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. For sin, taking an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So then, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. There's no problem with the commandment. You say, well, I'm commanded not to covet, but I'm a sinner and I'm going to covet. So the problem is with the law. No, the problem is with you, the sinner. The command, the law is holy. The command is holy and righteous and good. And so we see, because we are given to breaking these commandments, that we need Jesus the Savior. Right? Okay, kids, thank you for answering. Now you adults, you shall not covet. What is required in the Tenth Commandment? What is required? Some people know their catechisms well. One thing to know the catechism, it's another thing to follow the commands, right? The Tenth Commandment requires full contentment with our own condition, with a right and charitable frame of spirit toward our neighbor and all that belongs to us. Okay, adults, hot shot. What is forbidden in the Tenth Commandment? The Tenth Commandment forbids all discontentment with our own estate, envying or grieving at the goods of our neighbor, and all inordinate motions and affections to anything that belongs to him. Some big old English words in there. But you get the gist of it. Coveting, like St. Augustine said, desiring more than enough. Or just simply being consumed with desiring what God in His wisdom has not given to you. Coveting affects everything in our lives. So our homes, your job, your money, your husband, your wife, or if you don't have have a husband or you don't have a wife, a covetous man's thoughts are always about the world what he wants from the world. He's always thinking about what he has, his house. You know, we're sitting here this morning, man, I gotta get those leaves, those dratted fall leaves out of my yard. He's thinking about his cars. He's a reacher because he compares himself with others. Or a covetous man is obsessed with what he does not have. Think of the Christmas time. Any kids know what you're getting for Christmas? Can you not wait until you open that gift? A covetous man is obsessed with what he does not have. He does not have a wife, or he does not have a different wife other than the one God has given him. And so he's covetous. God, why couldn't you give me that wife? A covetous woman is not content with her husband her children, her home. A covetous woman 
doesn't find joy with the many little blessings God has given her. She wants a different husband, a different child, more children, less children, a different home, a different body. We live in a day of images, right? A covetous child, how do you kids covet? Is not content with his father and mother. Why couldn't you give me a different dad or a different mom? Not being grateful. So Christmas morning, I remember years ago, we have Christmas morning, the kids are opening up a gift furiously. This is what I did as a kid. Open up furiously. Oh, cool! Okay, what's next? Open that one up furiously. Well, eventually you run out of them. Oh, cool, that's nice. Throw that aside. Is this it? At least one of my kids actually asked, is this it? I was so mad. Like, I will make sure to it that you don't get a single thing next year with this attitude. You will be grateful for what you get. Have them spend a week in a poor part of our city giving their toys to others who aren't going to get much of anything this year, who are in a shelter because the mother's been abused or various reasons. They just don't have money. We were downtown near the zoo, and there are some poor parts near the downtown zoo. And one of my sons said, wow, that house is yucky. Maybe God will put us in that house one day. You don't realize how covetous you are, even for the things that you do have, let alone the things that God has not given you. You come back with mountains of toys in your van after visiting family, and the covetousness just explodes. You're guilty of coveting when you've taken great pain to get the world and the things in the world, relishing the world, loving the world, and have neglected the things of eternity. Remember Jesus speaking to the rich young ruler. You remember this? Which commandments do I need to obey to inherit eternal life? The rich young ruler asked Jesus. Jesus lists some commands. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's funny. Jesus did not list coveting. He knew it was part of the Ten Commandments, right? Anyway, he lists those particular commands. How does the rich young ruler respond? All these I've kept. What do I still lack? Now, had he actually obeyed those commands? Maybe externally, maybe he had not actually stolen anything in his life. Maybe he had not actually murdered someone, but had he obeyed the commands? This command, this tenth command, is interesting because it shows us that we break these laws and we sin even without explicitly, externally, 
breaking the command. Okay, so you have not physically committed adultery. Oh, but you have coveted your neighbor's wife. You have. You are guilty. You have coveted your neighbor's husband. So Jesus has the number of the rich young ruler, right? So Jesus comes back around. All these I've kept. Jesus says, go and sell your possessions. Give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. He was a rich man. Kids, he had a mountain of toys. And he didn't want to give them up. He wanted to keep his possessions. He was full of coveting. And he traded eternity in heaven with Jesus for his own possessions, which they're just going to be destroyed eventually anyway. So do you look down on the rich young ruler? What a fool, right? If I would have been there, what do you think he actually owned? This is theoretical, but what do you think the rich young ruler actually owned? Compared with what you own in the land of plenty, right? Compared with your possessions. If you were given Jesus' ultimatum, How would you respond? Coveting is lusting after what God has not given you. But coveting is also getting your treasure here and now. Wanting to get the world. It was fascinating. Uh, We live in such a... You you hear this all the time. We live in a materialistic age. But, But really, when you get money, it it gives you a sense of power. It gives you a sense of control. And kids, when you start getting a paycheck, you'll understand this. But to go out and buy something, it gives you, we we pervert things like this. It gives you a sense of control. I remember a couple few years ago, I was feeling anxious. It's, It's a feeling I never had before. I was like having a panic attack almost. And the solution, the worldly minded solution, I needed to go out and buy something. I don't know if any of you have felt this way before. It's like I was, I was feeling anxious and I wanted to have a sense of control, to have a sense of ownership of something. So I went out and bought something to make myself feel better. It's covetous. A man can covet with his work. A man is covetous when he takes so much work on himself that he cannot find time to serve God. So as I read, Thomas Watson is where I read that. This one really hurt me in a, in a good way. And I thought about many of you, you men who are workaholics out there. Men, we're kidding ourselves. We engage ourselves with all kinds of worldly business. Then we can call ourselves really hardworking. But what is all of it to gain, really? Well, for me, it's so that I can get away with neglecting other work. You see these mind games that we play. Oh, not right now. I don't have time for that. You see, I've been so busy at work and I'm just tired now. 
again, don't get me wrong, work is very good for us. Uh, often, our problem then is laziness, not working too hard. But do you work so that you cannot find time to serve God, so that you cannot find time to serve others? That's coveting your workload, your busyness of life. So, for my life, I drive a lot for interstate. I sell batteries, deliver batteries. And so I have a lot of time to listen. And what a good opportunity, right? There, there's a lifetime of good things that I could listen to. Scripture, I, could, I can spend time praying, praying for you. That'd be helpful, right? And a lot of the time, I listen to talk radio. Because it's easy. You just hit the button on the radio station. Which you say to me, well, that's fine. But how often do I rush into my truck and I get my scripture reading for the day, I get that checked off so that I can get to the things that I really want to do, the things that I covet after, right? So that I can be current on politics, current events, culture. If I neglect the heavenly things, then I won't be helpful spiritually to my family, to you, and the people God has put in my life. It's coveting the world as opposed to longing for heaven, for Christ. But back to you workaholics, so we call ourselves. Back to you workaholics out there. You men deceive yourselves. You put in so much work, which may be very much work, but at what expense? At the expense of your wife and children, God has put in your care. At the expense of prayer and studying God's word, right? So remember Martha and Mary? Do you remember the story of Martha and Mary? Martha was so concerned about all the busy work, all the preparations. She was covetous because she was consumed with worldly work. Let's read it. Turn to Luke 10. Let's read it because it's, it's just too good. Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. And as we read, we'll focus on you ladies, how you covet. Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now, as they were traveling along, he, Jesus, entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word like a lazy slob. Right? But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Think of the audacity of Martha. She's talking to the Lord Jesus Christ and commanding him. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Mary loved her Lord. And she wasn't sitting around being lazy. She was doing the work of storing up treasure in heaven. And Martha 
is convinced. Martha's so sanctimonious. And convinced that Mary's just being lazy. Any of you ladies here consumed with the things of the world rather than the things of God? So I mentioned bodies earlier. Why is my body not like her body? With that way of thinking, you are shaking your fist at God like a slap to his face saying that he is wrong for the way he has made you. That's for shame. God has made all of us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And to think any other way is covetous. It's covetous to think that way. God has made us the way he has made us. And if you're consumed with coveting, you cannot live by faith. Coveting is a serious sin. It's a gateway to all kinds of other sins. Several times in Scripture it says that the covetous will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, coveting will send you straight to hell. Coveting is evil. So how do you fight against coveting? Well, we've talked about it already. You fight against coveting by contentment and faith in God. So how did the Apostle Paul learn to be content in whatever circumstances he was? He was in humble means. He had plenty. He was hungry. He had abundance. He suffered need. The Apostle Paul had faith in God right where he was. You in your life believe that what you have and where you are is exactly where, what God wants you to have. And you are where he wants you to be. And what he has not given to you, that is his prerogative. It's not meant for you. If you don't have it. At least it's not meant for you right now. I think about the things that God hasn't given to me, and it's probably because I wouldn't be able to handle them if he had given them to me, right? Don't covet. It will lead you to hell. Be content with God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, right? You're not being overly spiritual when you think that way. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. If I worry myself about why I don't have what other men have, I don't have their gifts, I don't have their house, I don't have their wife, if I covet and worry about all that, I'm worthless to care for the things that God has given me. So what does it say? 17, we've already read it a couple times. Don't covet your neighbor's house, his wife. I don't think I've ever coveted my neighbor's donkey or ox or his servants. But of course, what does the end of verse 17 say? God has our number. What, what does the end say? Or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Right? Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do. Scripture has this in several places. Don't covet anything. But if I'm so worried coveting about my neighbor's house, his wife, his job, 
I miss the blessings that God has given me already with exactly what He has given me. If you want a sad, depressing life, okay, be consumed with how God has shorthanded you, how you've gotten the short end of the stick, how He has that or she has that and I don't, and how I really deserve this, you can think that way. Tell me how it turns out for you in 20, 30 years. Seek Jesus first. He will give you all you need. Some of you covet for another wife or another husband. And you want to change your spouse into something that they're not. You're coveting. You need to change. You need to be content. Some of you covet other people's kids. Wow, they're obedient. That'd be nice. You're coveting. First put in the hard work of training your own children to be godly. Some of you covet a spiritually mature family. Why can't my family be like that? Seek Jesus first, and he will give these things to you. But first, he'll give you himself. Listen to Ephesians 5. Speaking of coveting, but immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So he lists out immoral, impure, covetous, idolater. Immorality, impurity, covetousness. It's all idolatry. And you'll get no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God if you live like that. You know why men delay marriage today? It's true, some women do. Why men delay marriage? Because they don't need a wife. They have all the virtual women they would ever need. Video game women, pornographic women. Why have a real wife when you can have all the virtual women you could ever want? After all, obeying God, loving a real woman, a real wife, that's hard work. Right, husbands? And besides, lusting after women and committing indecency with my eyes, that's really not that bad. I mean, it's not like I'm actually committing adultery. You see, you shall not covet. Once again, it gets to our hearts. It gets to the root of our sins. The previous commands in the Ten Commandments, they already covered you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder. But God knows us. He has our number. If we simply have the commands, do not murder, don't commit adultery, we think we're obeying, again, externally. But this command reveals our hearts. Jesus says in Mark 7, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. 
This command, you shall not covet, it exposes us. We are lawbreakers in our hearts. With our eyes and with our minds. God has blessed us with this commandment. It's a gift to us this morning. You shall not covet anything. Because it's so that we won't give ourselves to lust and fornication, to immorality. This command, you shall not covet, is given to us so that we will give ourselves to contentment. Contentment with the home he has given us. Contentment with the wife, the husband, the children, the job. Or with the things that he has withheld from you. The best way to fight covetousness is to be content with what God has given you. You think you'd be happy with another wife who's not your current wife? Or another husband who's not your current husband? Other children? God will see to it that you aren't happy if you seek those things. Singles, be content with what God has given you. Be content now with what God will give you then. And then, if and when you're married, obey this command by giving yourself to what God has given you. Glorifying God. Being thankful and not coveting. Kids, put coveting to death now while you're young. Don't waste your life with coveting. God has given you all you need and He always will. And all of us, your neighbor, your classmate, your friend, whoever is in your life, they have something. God's given it to them. Be thankful for that. He's blessed them. Don't covet. God has given us Himself. Seek Him first and all these other things will be added. Let's pray.